You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today we've got a lot of news and notes. We've got some questions to answer for the Green Bay Packers, um, some kind of theoretical type stuff. We'll keep it in that realm for another day or so. And then hopefully if we have time, I want to try to take a look at... um, the last time the Packers played in Lambeau, because I think it's it's interesting, but also not interesting at, at the same time. And I know the last time I got my one-star review on iTunes, it was the fact that I contradict myself. That's exactly what I'm kind of going to do, but um, whatever. It, it, I don't know how to explain it from here. And we're not going there yet, so that's what we're going to talk about. We're just going to look at it, because it's interesting, and we'll leave it at that. The pro tip, and maybe you already do this, ground beef and eggs? Dude. It's like poor man's steak and eggs. I'm going to have this probably for breakfast for the rest of my life. Maybe even dinner, too. I don't know. It's incredible. I don't know why you guys never felt the need to tell me this. But, you know, that's fine. I'll just figure it out on my own. But as has been the case recently, because I have not been able to get up at 3 since uh, since it started getting dark so early. Winter is terrible. But a uh, little short on time, so let's get going quickly. Make sure you are in the Pockernet Podcast. We've been talking a lot about my iTunes rankings. I'm going to change the name to the Packernet Podcast. The Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Facebook page. And again, if you'd like to support the show, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. I have on occasion had people ask about Venmo because of they don't super like Patreon. And PayPal takes a bunch of fees. I do have it. I'm pretty sure there is a link in the description. If not, then I will check that and add it. Um, but either way that you donate to the show, you will be entered to win a free t-shirt. Just jump in the store, grab whatever t-shirt you want. If you want to look at the store to see if you want any of those shirts, go ahead and look in the store. And again, you can enter for as little as a dollar a month. The only thing I ask, please do not donate a dollar on PayPal. I will get none of it, and you're not getting entered, entered into anything, because PayPal will take almost all of that in fees. So if you're doing a buck, it's got to either be Venmo or Patreon. And $1 is one entry, so if you do $5, you're entered five times, $10, you're entered ten times, etc., etc. A special thank you to Scott, Evan, and Andrew for jumping in. And as I said, if we get to 50, 50 donors on uh, PayPal, then I will up it. You can go into the store and grab anything you want. That could be a hoodie or whatever. We only need four more people. Four people to jump in on uh, Patreon. And we'll be there. By the end of the month, somebody will be getting a sweet whatever they want. And there may actually be another t-shirt by the time we get in there, so we'll have to see. I dropped the ball on the North is Not Enough thing, but I figured by the time I got it printed, people would have it ordered. It wouldn't get here till af- to their house until after the game, and then if the Packers lost, it would be the worst purchase they ever made, and they'd never buy a shirt from me again. So shipping is kind of an issue. I think that's it. I think we're good. Let's, uh, let's take our break and get rocking here. If you haven't yet made plans for this spring, I got a suggestion for you. Can you guess what it is? 
This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for the Cactus League spring training. Great weather, great landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, great food. Arizona is where you got to be if you're a baseball fan. But as I said yesterday, so what if you're not a baseball fan? How does that not sound awesome? If you got a family, as I do, it kind of just sounds fun to just bring the family out there. My son is just a sports freak. I'm, I'm strictly football. He just, it doesn't matter. He's like my grandpa. If you turned on high school girls volleyball, grandpa would be like, ooh, we got a game on. Check this out. Son's the same way. If I took him there, he'd freak out. They got family-friendly resorts and hotels, water parks, horseback riding, which my daughter would freak out, tons of games, activities, wildlife parks, museums, aquariums, dude ranches, maybe chick ranches. I don't know. Have to Google it and see if they have one nearby. Make sure you plan your training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. That's visitarizona.com slash springtraining. And if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe, which actually I'm just starting to do because I realize 90% of my closet is stuff I will never wear. So I go in there and I'm like, I have no clothes. I tell my wife and she's like, what are you talking about? I sound like my my 13-year-old daughter. Like, dude, you you can't even close your closet. How are you saying you have no, because it's just, I won't wear it. It doesn't fit. It's uncomfortable. Somebody gifted me that and I just... It was nice, but I'm, I'm not wearing that. It's dumb. It's literally a purple polo shirt. I'm not wearing that to work. So if you're like me, go in, take all that stuff out. If it doesn't fit, throw it in a doesn't fit bag. Do some push-ups bag. Store it somewhere. If you're not going to wear it, go donate it or sell it on Facebook Marketplace. But once you get that thing down to bare bones and you're ready to, because I'm telling you, it just gives you a different, because you just go in there and you just grab stuff. Like, yeah. You got to add more of that yeah stuff. That's where you go to Mac Weldon. Because everything they have, you look at it and it's like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to wear that today. Because you know it's going to fit right, making you look good, making you feel good with that premium quality fabric. You know you're not going to be sweating all over the place because it's very breathable. And it's got the silver material, so it's going to wick away odor. So even if you are working hard and sweating a lot, you're not going to stink. And as I've said all along, Mack Weldon is more of an experience than anything else. So you got to get yourself something. Pick one thing and go buy it. And for listening to this podcast, Mack Weldon is a great offer for you to take advantage of. Get 20% off your first order. Just visit MacWeldon.com, enter promo code OVERTIME. Again, 20% off your first order. Just enter promo code OVERTIME when you visit MacWeldon.com. And because they want you to be comfortable, if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you get to keep it. They'll still refund you. Zero questions asked. MacWeldon.com. Use promo code OVERTIME for 20% off your first order. Okie dokie. Hardachokey. I wish I had more time, man. I'm I'm feeling in a great mood. It's got to be this steak and eggs I'm enjoying. It is steak. You don't you know nothing about my truth, little boy. First of all, the Lions have a new offensive line coach, so they're starting their kind of upheaval. But this was an internal promotion, so not a huge amount of news there. But it is a divisional opponent, so I'll try to keep you posted on what's going on over there. His name is Hank Fraley. Really, almost called him Frank Haley. My brain literally saw an F. And, and wanted to call him Frank. Hank Fraley. But uh, Hank has been a longtime offensive lineman. Uh, played from 2000 to 2010 for the Steelers, Eagles, Browns, and Rams. Most of his time, Eagles and Browns. And has been working his way up for some time now. Really just been assistant offensive line coach for the Vikings for two years. And then the Lions. Otherwise, he has been an offensive line coach, but for college teams. Finally getting a shot to be an offensive line coach for an NFL team. So, So there you go. Much more interesting is what's been going on with the head coaching hires. Carolina just absolutely unloaded for Matt Rule. Uh, it's like a seven-year contract, getting dangerously close to that $10 million a year, which is just ridiculous when you consider $10 bucks a year 
it was sort of, I mean, that's what Gruden got. It was like a 10-year, $100 million, so 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 100, whatever. What did I say about my truth, dude? You don't listen. That's your problem. You don't listen. Always up in my truth. Now, there's no question Rule has done a pretty fantastic job. He basically, I, I, I don't think I care enough to go look it up, especially with my computer being so slow, but I think Temple hadn't been a 10-win team since like the 19... It was 1970s. I don't know if it was 76 or 79 or what. Literally single-digit wins from, let's call it 79 through 2000 and whatever, 16 or whatever, when he finally turned them around and got them to 10 wins. So he's the first coach in basically however many years to make them a legit team. Uh, Baylor, from a record standpoint, was much less impressive. He did get them to 11 wins this past year, which was great. But basically, Baylor was like a 10-ish win team. They started going downhill. They really went downhill in Matt Rule's first year. That was the low point. Uh, they went one and eleven, but he brought them back up to seven and six in his second year, and then eleven and three in his third year. So he's he's got a pretty good reputation. My, my biggest issue is that this isn't all that unusual. I mean, it, I guess it kind of is, but I I just I'm super hesitant on college coaches coming to the NFL and doing stuff. There's just so much that's different. I mean, at least when you bring in an offensive coordinator or even the case of the Patriots wide receiver special teams coach, you understand, especially working in New England, what an NFL team is supposed to be run like. And so you get Matt Rule, who is a guy that likes to run the ball about 500 times and knows how to structure college teams and presumably recruit, which you're not doing in the NFL. I don't know, man. I mean, cool. They obviously think he's the guy, and I, I guess there was some kind of a relationship between technology and wanting to be on the forefront, and the owner of the Carolina Panthers, as well as Matt Rule, are both seeing eye to eye on that, so they're going to be able to pursue that. I'm just always, I mean, I'm always skeptical of new coaches no matter what. Look at the track record this year. It was Matt LaFleur and a bunch of nobodies, including accomplished coaches that couldn't quite pull it off. And so, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm skeptical until I can see it done differently. Traditionally, college coaches come here, and it's just a completely different environment. I mean, just the way you relate to players is different. NFL players are multimillionaires. They don't listen to you the same way college kids will. You can beat and batter them in college. I mean, you shouldn't literally, but you literally can, and it literally has happened, where some of these coaches get a little psychotic, and they don't treat their players very well, but guess what? The players are going to do whatever they're told, and they're going to keep their mouths shut. And there's a whole bunch of, like, under the table this and that, and I'm going to compensate you this way, and... It's just a different environment. There's a different way of interacting with people. You get into the NFL, it's just, it's very business-like, and your players are almost like business partners. So, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the Giants hire was obviously the biggest shock for several reasons. Um, there's a lot of good candidates available. Stefanski, uh, Bienemy, McDaniels are the three that really stand out in my mind. I, I don't think McDaniels is getting a job. And I'm, I'm actually shocked how everyone thinks he's at the top of the list. We went through this last year. And even last year, he wasn't seen at the top of the list because people remembered his his record and what he had done. And it's like, I don't think he's that good. And I don't think people really want him. And after we went through this whole thing last year where a bunch of teams needed coaches and not one of them wanted McDaniels, suddenly this year, everyone's like, dude, what about McDaniels? Dude. It's like, dude, didn't, did we not learn our lesson? People don't want him. Either he's asking for too much, wants too much control, whatever the situation is. Maybe it's his personality. Maybe they don't trust that he's actually very good at his job. I, I don't know what it is, but there's clearly something. Because if you could turn your team into the Patriots, every team would want to do it. They don't think he can turn your team into the Patriots. And I don't care what the structure is. If he wanted to be coach and GM, the Browns would do it today. If they believed 
that he could come in and build it. They would give him the coaching job and the GM job and just say, go for it. They don't believe he can. And the fact that they hired somebody under him is almost kind of hilarious. Now, apparently there's a unique structure in New England where they have less assistants, and for him to wear two assistant hats, especially the special teams one, where you have to talk to every single player on the team, which is different than OC, where you're talking to offense, DC, you're talking to defense. Special teams, you're talking to everybody. So you got to be in every single room, talking to every single person. It is a, a very unique hire. The other interesting thing about it, because I know it's, it's, I could sit here and be lazy and say, well, it's just because they're racist. If you want me to play that game, I, I can't. I actually want to learn stuff, and I want to grow. And coming to ridiculous conclusions based on basically zero information is not how you learn things. For example, did you know that the Mara family, the owner of the Giants, has a very, very close relationship with Bill Belichick? If we actually wanted to learn things, we would find out things like that. And then we could come to better conclusions. For example, what does that say about Josh McDaniels, and what does this say about this judge guy? Because obviously Bill Belichick told them he's a really good guy he's speaking glowingly about the guy and if you're um you know the owner of the giants and you take his word for it you must have a very very good relationship to the point where you think he wouldn't lie to you and we're talking about bill belichick here right these these this is how we learn about football if we want to just talk politics if we want to just turn this into msnbc fox news then yeah we can just play that game that this is some giant scandal in which the NFL has been infiltrated by the KKK, right? This is like politics meets Star Wars meets Real Housewives. And look, there's some drama in football that's kind of fun. I've said in the past, the NFL is kind of like soap opera for dudes. But let's, let's just relax. It's a weird hire, but if anything, it's weird because why not McDaniels? And then, in my opinion, the guy that I've said all along should be at the top of everyone's list is Stefanski. I think Biennemi's a, a great person to look at, but the biggest question with Biennemi is, he's like number four. I'm making that number up. It could be two or three or whatever. But there is a long line of Andy Reid um, offensive coordinator. At some point, the well kind of runs dry. At some point, you're looking at it going, okay, it's just Andy Reid at this point. Stefanski is working with a defensive coordinator as a head coach. That offense is his offense. It's 100,000% his offense. He built it. He's running it. He's calling plays. Andy Reid built that offense. Andy Reid built those plays. Andy Reid is calling those plays. Well, I don't know that. Maybe Biennemi's calling the plays. So, I mean, it's never going to end. This is going to happen every single year. The same people are going to scream and cry about the same stuff with basically no evidence. And, and I'm going to say the exact same thing I've always said. If you genuinely believe that, you need to stop watching football. Because shame on you for supporting something that's so horrible. I don't support something that horrible because I don't think it's true. Because there's no evidence for it. But I would encourage you to go find the evidence. And if you think statistical differences point to something, then you don't know a single thing about statistics. And you need to stay as far away from pretending you know anything about football as possible. Because boy, oh boy, anybody that watches football knows statistics are just dumb. Be like saying Matt Rule's obviously a good coach because the record got better. That means he can be a good coach. That's a heck of a leap there, Chief. There's a lot of information in between. Teams have millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line to make sure they get a very good coach. Even if we pretend these are terrible people, their own self-interest comes before their hate. That's the biggest point here. Even if I'm going to go down in crazy land with you, their own selfish self-interest to be Super Bowl champion multi-cajillionaires and get all that Super Bowl revenue supersedes any dislike they have for any one individual or any one group. 
And if any one of these super hateful KKK members thought that Eric Bieniemy was going to get them a Super Bowl championship trophy, they'd hire him. So let's quit saying dumb things, please. Because it's so obnoxiously boring. And also, I would have to stop giving this speech every single year. Stop it. In other news, Mackenzie Alexander is apparently getting surgery. That means he will officially be out for the San Francisco 49ers game. That's going to be a big blow for the team. Although they are saying there's a chance he could be back to play the Green Bay Packers after we stomp out uh, the Seattle Seahawks. So, you know, I would say fingers crossed that he doesn't make it, but I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm in weird territory. Like, I don't know who to root for. I don't know if I want to, like, root for... Obviously, it's going to help us if he's out, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like at some point... I got to just turn this into we're going to beat whatever challenge comes in front of us. I don't care. I mean, it is big news and I do care, but you know what? This is a tough road. It, it, it can't all just be orchestrated that everything just becomes easy. All right, let's just hope all the really tough teams like, you know, the San Francisco gets beat and the Minneapolis comes here and Cousins has another terrible day. And then, you know, the Texans somehow go on this crazy run and then turn into like the Texans in the Super Bowl. And they got that one really good wide receiver, but maybe he breaks his leg, and then Hopkins has, like, a, a toe injury and can't run, and then we win the Super Bowl, yay! I mean, I, I'll take all of that. I mean, I, I don't want I don't want uh, Hopkins to break his leg, that sounds terrible, but I mean, you know, I'll, I'll take the easy route, but at the same time, I, I, I kind of am just ready to say, you know what, the Packers are going to buck up and just knock anybody in the teeth that comes at their comes up in their house. Doesn't matter who it is, and if we got to fly to San Francisco to go kick them in the jaw, then well, that's what we're going to do. And if it comes to a re- we'll revisit that. Because the same thing, by the way, that the Vikings always say to the Packers, oh, the only reason you guys won isn't because you're a better team, it's because we played terribly twice in a row against you. That, that, ex- that exact same argument applies for us to the 49ers. Some of our best players, some of our key players that are the difference between winning and losing didn't put forth a very good effort against the 49ers. In fact, for some of them, it was the worst game they played all year, and I think for Kenny it might have been the worst game of his career. So, yeah, let's let's try that one again. Let's see if we can get people kind of amped up a little bit to go into San Francisco and play for a Super Bowl championship trophy and see if we can't kick around the 49ers on their own home turf and squash this notion that the Packers don't belong. Because you already know the 49ers are going to be 10-point favorites in that game. Maybe not exactly, but you get my point, right? Nobody is going to think the Packers have a single solitary chance. Because you know how people in the media think. We just had this discussion. They don't. They don't think past the tip of their nose. There's one piece of information. That's all I need. Look at the score of the last game. Therefore, San Francisco's way better than the Packers. They're going to destroy them, right? Packers don't do well on the West Coast because, you know, two games. 49ers really beat the, the Packers bad, one game. And we'll take these couple little data points and we'll create a narrative, which has some bearing, but, you know... I couldn't be bothered to dig a little deeper. Nah, I'm, I'm going to dig deeper, and I'm going to say that the Packers played a terrible game, and the 49ers played out of their mind, and if they get another chance, I think the Packers play a little bit better and have a much better chance of winning. I think when the Packers have, and, and this has become a, a theme in the playoffs, that there's an element of trench warfare in the playoffs. It's, it's win in the trenches. The Packers can absolutely win in the trenches. They got stomped out in the trenches the last time they played, Bosa single-handedly. But that, that's one of the things I love about the Packers is having that stability that I was talking about. You, you don't want to be a volatile team in the playoffs because you're going to get caught on the low swing and you're going to get knocked out. But a big part, and it, it's how the Vikings beat the Saints. It's how the Titans beat the the uh, the Patriots. When you get these big upsets, it's a team that just is, is rock solid. We're going to win in the trenches. We're going to make all the tackles. 
We're just going to do all the little things, and we're going to win the game. And the Packers have that ability to be that team. We're going to win in the t- in the trenches. We know we have the, the offensive line to keep Aaron Rodgers clean. And we know we have the defensive line that can just absolutely tear anybody up at any time. So all this to say, Mackenzie Alexander may or may not be playing, and I don't care. Because the Packers team that I believe in, the team that's going to win the Super Bowl, it doesn't make that big of an impact. Packers beat the Vikings in Lambeau either way. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break and get to a couple other things here. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Um, on yesterday's um, On This Day in History, which is the, I guess you can call it the afternoon show, uh, there was talk about the Bears and their potential regression. And the question that I got, and I've actually gotten it several times, is do you think the Packers might end up regressing? Specifically, this question was Matt Nagy's, you know, he his playbook kind of got figured out. Is it possible that happens to Matt LaFleur? Maybe, but but the way I see it, and, and, and this could be a little bit more nuanced than what I'm saying. Maybe some of this is, is entirely Matt LaFleur's thing. Here's the problem. If let's just say a Vikings fan were to say that as a, as a negative, or the Bears saying, "Oh, it's coming your way," the the difference between what I saw with the Chicago Bears and what I see with Matt Lafleur is with Matt Nagy. Do you remember Week One against Matt Nagy? He played the Green Bay Packers like he was playing the Super Bowl. He pulled out every trick play that he could possibly think of. The Packers haven't really been doing that. In fact, what I see with Matt Lafleur's offense is. Basically, Kyle Shanahan's offense, which is to say the NFL already knows this offense. They know the McVay offense. They know the Shanahan offense. They understand this, right? It's the Stefanski offense with, with you know slight differences and nuance here and there. Here's the other problem with saying that we've discovered it, we figured it out, we know how to stop it. This is about, I'm just going to make up a number, but if, if I had to put a number on where my brain's at, 45% of the Matt LaFleur offense has been unveiled. Maybe, maybe that's dumb. 65%, whatever. They're not able to do as much as Matt LaFleur. No, I'm, I am going to say 35 45%. I think there is a massive component of what Matt LaFleur would like to do. Think about the fact that we can't get the, we don't have a, a speed receiver. How impactful that is. The, the guy that we need, MVS, we can't get that going. How about uh, Danny Vitale not being able to get that going the way that we'd like it to? Not having a slot receiver. What do all these different components, how about just starting to run outside zone, which is a major component of this offense, something we haven't been able to do through like the first seven, eight weeks of of Matt LaFleur's tenure. 
So if, if, if I'm correct, and I have very strong feelings about this, that the Packers are about to load up in a big way on offense, and there's only so many things that you probably can do, maybe a couple wide receivers and a tight end and a fullback, and that's about it. But I, you know, big impact guy. To make sure, you know, a Jalen Rager, which I really think is starting to seem like the makes the most sense because he's probably going to be a late first kind of guy. He's got the speed that the Packers have been looking for from MVS, but he's also just a guy that's great as far as separation, including in, in short areas. And with Aaron Rodgers, the fact of the matter is you got to be open or he's not throwing it. You know, some of these guys, you look at like the Nikhil Harrys of the world or even the DK Metcalfs. Everyone say, well, we should have DK Metcalf. I don't know, man. I mean, granted, he can get some separation, but you, you kind of need a big pile of separation, not just a good... Nikhil Harry maybe is a better example. You can't just be a little bit open unless he has a ton of trust for you like Devontae. He'll throw it to you if you're barely open. But for a lot of these other guys, you got to have several steps or he's not even going to bother throwing it. But so, so the offense loads up and then the playbook opens up. And so in a way, it's almost like there's going to be a new playbook. So I don't think the Packers are going to be figured out by next year. That isn't to say there's going to be no regression in some capacity, but I fully expect the offense to improve. Because as I talked about yesterday with what McCarthy has said, what what everybody has said, there is a lack of things that they're able to do. The, the coaches and, and everybody feel kind of handcuffed because they can't do the certain things that they want to do. And then we've seen it. When we try to take those shots, when we try to load up and take that deep shot, it's just not there with MVS. And it's hard to put it on MVS because every time he's open, the ball isn't there. It's a connection issue. I don't know what the problem is, but whatever it is, got to figure something else out. We have to make that work. And I know some of you are screaming, yeah, we got to draft Tua. Well, <laughs> whatever it is, because I'm, I'm not touching any of the specifics, although I just went on a diatribe about Rager. The point is, I don't see that as a giant regression point. Another thing that was brought up, and I don't know who this was, it was one of the blue checkmark folks, but he had pointed to the fact that we could expect some regression from the defense because if you look at the Chicago Bears defense and their regression, a lot of it had to do with their takeaways. It was an unsustainably high uh, number. I don't know that I necessarily follow that either. I don't think the Packers have had that many takeaways. The Chicago Bears had 27. That, you could say, is unsustainable. By the way, their their ratio wasn't even all that high because they gave the ball away. I mean, 27 interceptions, 9 fumble recoveries, but they threw 14 interceptions and had 10 fumble giveaways. So the, the plus or minus was plus 12. It was actually third behind Houston and Seattle. But as far as, as takeaways, 27 was, I mean, the next highest was Miami with 21. Behind that was L.A. with 18. The Packers right now are plus or minus 11 with 17 interceptions and 7 fumble recoveries. That's not, I mean, it's it's good. It's not unsustainably high. It's not 27 interceptions. If anything, the Patriots are that team. They have 25 this year. The only problem is they've been pretty high kind of every year, and a lot of it has to do with the fact of how good their DBs are. If anything that I'm worried about regression, it would be a guy like Zadarius. Because my metric for the Chicago Bears is you look at these guys and you say they've been at a level of, let's just call it from a PFF standard of 70, right? They've been good for four years. Suddenly they're in the 90s. That's Zadarius. Now, we don't have to assume that. Unfortunately, it's not the entire defense. It's just one guy that maybe is going to regress a little bit because this is, I mean, let's face it, it is a relatively unsustainable, if he does this for the rest of his career, he, he's a Hall of Famer, legitimately. I mean, it does. forget the Pro Bowl, this guy's a Hall of Famer. If he can do this for four or five, six years, whatever, and be the, the pressure leader and one of the sack leaders every year, you know, so there, there may be some regression there, but, you know, I, I, I don't, 
I'm not super worried about it. I mean, I, of course I'm worried about regression. We got 13 wins. Getting to 13 wins, even if the team is better next year, we might not have 13 wins. That that's 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 what makes 13 wins so remarkable. There are a lot of great 12 win teams. There are teams right now that people would say are better than the Packers that have 12 wins. A lot of people think the Vikings are better than the Packers. They didn't get to 13 wins. So, you know, there could be regression. I'm not as worried about regression. I'm 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 focused on the team just continuing to grow. I mean, obviously, the, the serious concern is a massive regression down to seven wins. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think the offense will improve. The defense could possibly take a step back just because Zedarius has such a big impact. So if he regresses, the, the team regresses. But let's not forget, Savage, Amos, probably a new linebacker. King and Jair are still going to be here. Kenny Clark's still going to be here. So... You know, I, I think that kind of levels things out. I'm not overly worried about regression. I'm a little bit concerned about regression just because 13 wins is incredible. But my focus is less about the record, although the record does matter for the sake of seeding, which helps you win Super Bowls. All that is true. But I, I just I want this to continually grow as a dominant team. I want to see continued dominance on both sides of the ball. I, I, you know, suffocating defense and, and just that offense that is just continually clipping down the road first down after first down after first down, and then when you get inside the 20, you can't stop them from getting seven. Just automatic. So yeah, I, I think the only thing that to me seems fairly unsustainable is Zadarius's production. I don't think there's anything else that's unsustainable. Certainly the offense isn't unsustainable. Everybody's having career lows. Devontae's having career lows largely because of his injuries. But I mean, look at his touchdowns, right? There's no reason that can't skyrocket if we can get a little bit more help, bring in a tight end, get another wide receiver. A slot guy wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You know, let's let's build this thing up in the same way that we did defense last year. I mean, not in the same way because that's nearly impossible, but try. And let's take another run at this because, you know, one of the benefits of this defense is that they're young. Even Zedarius, is, he's 26. Maybe he's 27 by now. I don't know. That's got to happen at some point. i got to stop calling him 26. But this, this team is built for the long haul, and that's what I've said for a long time. You know, the, the Chicago Bears are trying to win now. The Packers didn't go that route. They're trying to win for the future. They want long-term success. That's how they built it. They didn't go after, you know, the the older guys. They're not trying to piecemeal this thing. They're they're getting key contributors in key positions that are a great age just coming into their prime. And um everything seems to be going perfectly according to plan. And again, we just got to load up on offense, open up that playbook a little bit more once we get things going a little bit. Remember, this is also still the first time that people have been in this system. So there's going to be some growth in that regard. So, of course, it's entirely possible that they regress. And if they lose in the Super Bowl, there's also that whole curse thing or get to the Super Bowl. I think a lot of the winners outside of the Patriots also seem to tend to regress. But I think that's just normal. A lot of teams regress once you get there because when you get to the Super Bowl, suddenly all your players become very expensive and you pick really late in the draft. And so you have no money and you're not drafting high-quality players anymore, which is probably what got you there in the first place, whereas Bill Belichick knows how to build a team without, without those things. He knows how to get, you know, 29-year-old backup running back to plug him in to be his backup running back and have a great role as a guy that gets seven carries, you know, and just, you know, getting those guys. But the Packers don't have to follow that path. It's not a mysterious thing. It's not like there's actually a curse. It's just understanding that that's, you're switching into a different gear. And the Packers know how to do that. They've done it for years. Picking in the late 20s, early 30s, for year after year after year and still having sustained success getting you know first and second round quality talent 
and, and getting that quality talent in the fourth and fifth round especially that helps to contribute and continue this success. And Gutekunst now, I don't know how good he's going to be in fourth and fifth round, but he certainly seems to be better in the early rounds, and he is an ace for special teams. Special teams. Ah, I mean, he, yes, special teams also. This is how you know it's time to wind this thing down. Free agency is what I was going for. Hey, it's a two-word term, so close enough. Also, J.K. Scott, so get out of my face. I think I'm going to create an online course for how to get up out of my truth because you guys need to freshen up. I could. I've, I've been putting this off for like two to three days, but I think I'm going to stop. Stop here, save it for tomorrow. It would make more sense tomorrow anyways. So, had a few shorter episodes. I'm sorry. Try to get us back up to 45-ish minutes. Just can't get up, man. I'm failing you, and I apologize. Another way to support the podcast, mail me some coffee. I'm kidding. I, I have coffee. We're good. Yeah, we're going to cut it off there. We'll get into comparing this time and last time probably tomorrow. If there wouldn't be so much news all the time, we can get to this stuff faster. But I do want to cover this because we are going to be playing some of these teams. And I want to, you know, want to start talking about it. Anyways, you folks, have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. Tomorrow, uh, just based on how the schedule is laid out, we really have to start digging into the Seattle Seahawks. So we'll begin that process. We'll probably do Thursday, Friday is going to be a deep dive into the Seahawks. Saturday, we'll just be looking at the playoffs and the, the games that are going on Saturday. Sunday will be the same thing for Sunday. So that's the plan tentatively. You folks have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.